it's like you know massive corruption across the country it's not only projects being done in Tripoli or practices being done in Beirut it's across the country and I'll add to that also is the implication of the multi-confession system that we have and that led actually to, to uh, the incompetence of the government in dealing with their own matters as well because if every project you want to do if every hiring of an employee of every decision that you'll have to make you will have to take into consideration factors that I would consider as being low in priority uh, that led actually to, the, to, to what's happening. It's the piling up of so many things, including corruption, as I said, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the multi-confessional system and its implication on everything we do. It's the incompetence of the government. And most importantly is the inability of those who are currently in power to provide solutions. And I believe also the corrupt minds cannot provide uncorrupt solutions. And that's why I believe that the situation, uh, the way it's heading, it's not going to be resolved by the current political class, but by a different group of individual, clean with a vision of how to save Lebanon, who would go beyond the, 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 the religious borders that, that the, the current politician actually built around every single act, built around their the way they manage the country and so on. No one is a devil or an angel in himself, but the system would turn anyone to be a devil at some point. So unless you change the system, everyone, even if he claimed to be a righteous person, will turn in, in even a couple of months, because it's the role actually that will turn someone to be, he feels that he's doing really good for his own people, for the people who are also outside. He's stuck between serving his people uh, in a direct way, like giving them some services, and he's also stuck with the external powers, who, and they want him to do just specific things and say specific things as well. Uh, and without him, he cannot actually serve his people. His, his people, I mean his uh, sect or his faction or the city uh, where most of his uh, constituency are. So I think he's just stuck in a role, and unless you break all these rules, uh, you would also have uh, other devils who, who used to claim in the uprising that they are the right. Jamil Karam, when I hear a lot of people talking about being uh, good and they want to lead and they are the technocrats, if they don't have actually a vision for a different system, I wouldn't really give them, for example, my voice in this case, because they will end up the same. The system has produced the same kind of people all over again. Like, for example, before 2005, we had three main players, and then after 2005, different and new players who came on the political scenes. And everyone thinks, oh, nothing changed. It has changed in the last 30 years, but actually a lot has changed. But it has produced the same, same result. So, so it doesn't matter who's in charge? Yeah. Okay. Do you feel the same way, Jim? I definitely, regarding corruption, I definitely feel the same way because no matter what the, the political system is, yeah. what leads to corruption is lack of accountability. Yes. What leads yes. to corruption is about, uh, I would say, the malfunction of accountability agencies or institutions within the state. They're supposed to do their role. Uh, and, but because of the multi-confessional system, the current politicians are hiding behind it yeah. to get all their dirty deals through. Right. So we hide behind the multi-confessional system 
because we say, ah, we had to do this because the other Lebanese fraction wanted to push us in a different direction. Yeah. So corruption is going to happen uh, because of lack of accountability, lack of accountability bodies and so on. And also, uh, and that's something really, it shows how, uh, it shows the quality and the characteristics of the current political class. Uh, they consider the state as being a private property. And yeah. there is nowhere else in the world, probably, probably there is another country or two or three countries across the globe. They deal with it as a private property. Means the, the, the politician, whether it's the, uh, the members of the cabinet or the members of the parliament, they can take any decision without being questioned. And they hide behind multi-confessions sometimes to defend themselves. And they hide behind defending the rights of their religious groups to cover their dirty or marriage practice and so on. And that's what led actually to, to, to the current uprising. And I believe in, uh, the, the, those who went in the streets, uh, you know, uh, following the, the WhatsApp uh, cost, uh, uh, the WhatsApp rising cost. One of the worst ideas ever. Yeah, and I believe those people who went in the streets went in the streets because they felt were fed up with what's happening at the uh, cabinet side. We're fed up what's happening at the parliament side. We're fed up with what's happening of the inefficient uh, presidency or leadership of the country. And I would say that's the natural sequence of things to see the uprising or revolution reaching its phase. It's not uncommon. It's the normal and the natural path of uh, a, 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 the, the people of Lebanon seeking a new system. Let me ask you, do you think it's the system which you've described well? Is it part of the reason it's taken this long for people to demand something new? Because we're talking about something that's 30 years old, if not older. I think uh, if we go back to the history of the system, and we don't want to demonize the system without also referring to the instrumental, its instrumentality in the history of Lebanon. Because after 1990, you wanted to, to keep peace between these, these militias, and they were the one to take the authority. So it was their way as an instrument to hold peace for the first at least, at least 10 years, I think. And then the system started to collapse. But it, because of Paris 1, Paris 2, Paris 3, then different mechanisms and also regional changes, uh, everyone was supporting this regime to stay strong. So I think in the first thir uh, 10 years it was instrumental. Yeah. And then it started to collapse but with a lot, with a lot, with a lot, with a lot of aspirants, let's say, and some... Uh, so it was a slow-moving yeah. collapse. Yeah. Because okay, it is striking, 30 years is a long time. I think they knew the solution and they put it actually in power. So they weren't really stupid and didn't really know what to do next. But they they actually locked the system and uh, found that it's really beneficial to them to, to stay in power because they knew that they don't have a power beyond the civil war and also the first uh, few years to stay at their, their position. Especially, I think, for... Uh, for factions who didn't really have power at that time. Because they got really their power because of the system itself. So for example, uh, whether it's uh, Hariri or new factions within the Christians community or new, or even the Shias themselves, the new groups, because they didn't really have any power before 1975. So, so there was a new kind of uh, balance between these. And they wanted to just keep it.
Do you feel the same way? I definitely do feel the same way. And, uh, it's not about the name, it's about the political approach. Right. And for me, corruption started from 1943, from the day of Lebanon's independence. So going from the Sultan Salim uh, <laughs> to the Sahr al-Azim. So that's a long way of history and corruption. And ironically, not a single person were you know sentenced in front of court. So yeah. that what's the message being sent yeah. uh, to all the corrupt minds? It's saying you can do it, and the the system is protecting you. But 1943—that's 76 years of, of 76 bad years. governance. Ah, for, for me, that's wow. my own stance, yeah. and that started with the Sultan Salim. He was the brother of the president of Bashar al-Khuri, yeah. and he was behind all the deals that went behind the scenes, whatever. And he was so in a way we're uprising against the way Lebanon was born, not the way Lebanon is dying. It's actually fundamental. It's the structure itself. And that's a political approach that continued over time. That's what yes, has been continued yes. over time. So the president back then, who was the person in charge yeah. of managing the country, he was the mastermind behind everything. Yeah. And no one would question him. And the same went back when we reached the Taif Agreement. No one would question any single minister in the cabinet. No one would question a member of the parliament, except once uh, we had a drug dealer. He was sued by the, uh, uh, the uh, I don't know, political class or all the military, the, the Syrian military intelligence back then. To uh, be, and everyone was against him because probably he was not sharing with them part of the wealth that he was getting. So I'm saying this to reach a point where uh, to say if we want to fight corruption. It's the political approach that she, she, we should change. It's not the people. And the current people in power should not be there. Yeah. Because they're, they're the continuation of what happened in the past. Right. And, uh, and I always th think about, you know, the, the, when you get a box of apples. And then when all the box is, is rotten, so it doesn't matter if you change one or two uh -huh. yeah. apples. <laughs> the whole box is rotten. So And the rot spreads even if you have a good apple in there. So I, I'm curious, we're younger than 1943, right? So we're, we're the post-war generation. We probably have some memory of the war. And we're all from Tripoli, even though you live and you're literally working in Tripoli. But I remember Tripoli from the 1980s. And I know that things did improve to a degree after the war ended. But if I'm understanding this right, the reason Lebanon's post-war situation did not reach a better point is because inherently the system is flawed. So at their core, do you think people are protesting 1943 without knowing? Or are they simply demanding an economic improvement? And I ask because I'm trying to bridge this gap. And you said it earlier, WhatsApp text was the final sort of tipping point. But if things improved economically over the next few weeks, do you think the momentum would still be there for changing the way Lebanon is governed? So Lebanon was one of the hundreds of nations or nation states, let's yeah. say, that uh, were just created after nine, in the 1900s. Mm. Uh, but some of them had the ability to actually bypass the foundational problem yeah. uh, and found so many solutions, especially in the global south, as they, as they say. So, and I always question why didn't Lebanon or even most of the Middle Eastern countries, yeah. why weren't they able actually to cross these problems and produce actually a better economy, a better economic system? Yes. Uh, and I think people focusing only on the economic uh, 
just yeah. if we limit the people uh, reason to uh, to do the uprising only for economic reasons, I think we are belittling a lot of the people who are mm. on the ground. Mm. So mm. I think there are the, some people with the consciousness that they are revolting for something bigger, right? And people who are revolting for other reasons. And the let's uh, see, the, the aggregation of all of these is a different outcome at, at the end, whether it's uh, on the political layer or on the economic layer. Right. So, the, so the two are really linked together. Yeah. I think it's very complex, so we cannot really yeah. like, summarize what, what like, summarize everyone as one group. And it's okay to have so, so many people with so many voices, but yeah. at the end I think they will aggregate in something very specific and, uh, and an outcome that no one of these groups knows about. Okay. And do you feel the same way, Jimmy? I definitely agree with Ubaidah. I wanted to clarify the, uh, you know, the reflection on yeah. the 1943 corruption yes, uh, startup yes. and then yeah. leading to here. I, I would say briefly that I mentioned this mm. to uh, to help you see the depth of the problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying those people who are protesting here are protesting because of that, but that's right. part of my if you want the the self-reflection that I've done yeah. uh, to uh, from my perspective to the history yes. of the country yes, yes, and yes. where it all started right. I do not want to go beyond the 1943 backwards I would definitely have plenty of examples but I felt yeah. like that's a good thing to uh, to, to go yeah. back in to go back in time and see the causes of the problem yeah. so we can generate solutions one could argue 1943 is closer to 1865 anyway so it's probably a that's like that's a paradigm in itself. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, what I agree with Obaida, ironically, I agree with him <laughs> on so many things. Is that there are so many voices? What's there. wrong with Tripoli? Everyone's having uh, a good time. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot talk on their behalf, but I at least share what I witnessed because yeah. I represent my my own voice. Yeah. Uh, uh, definitely, people are in the streets for better economic conditions. Definitely, people are in the streets for, be for, for better social justice. Yeah. And especially in Tripoli, as, as you know it, in, if we're talking about the dropout rate in schools, yes, yes, it is, if we're talking about the poverty, if we're talking about marginalization, it's like a massive marginalization of, of population within the city. And, and we're not talking only about Tibani and Jabal Masih, we're talking about Tripoli itself. We're talking about Mina and so on. Uh, we're talking about some would, would want better health. Uh, uh, services. Some would want better educational services. Like everything, it's like all at the same time. And the yeah. challenge yeah. of the post, uh, if you want, the post-war era, is that most of the cabinets were only focusing on where the money is going to be spent. Which is primarily Beirut, in, in that sense, I guess. Or either parliament, uh, yeah. mainly in Beirut. Or yeah. if we say, ah, we're going to spend it on infrastructure, right. but we did not spend it on people. Yeah. No one can deny that all the governments in Lebanon spend money in, in revamping the educational infrastructure in Lebanon. Yeah. From Nakura to Abdi. Yeah. No one would question this. But the money was spent in stones, was spent in concrete, was spent in yeah. providing probably equipment to some uh, schools in Akkar or Bsharri right. right. or Baalbek that people do not know how to maintain. So that's just cosmetic, that's not... Uh, Instead of saying, okay, yeah. we're investing in the future of Lebanon, yeah. so we want to invest in the, in the educational sector. Yeah. So we're going to what? We're going to develop a new yeah. class of teachers. We're going to develop a new class of... 
students yes. and teaching them the values of peace, yeah. tolerance, we have not done this. Probably you've done it on paper because I witnessed, I, I'm, I'm a follower of all, all what's happened on the, on the uh, educational uh, uh, sector from like probably the mid-90s. I don't think there was a, like a strong commitment yeah. to initiate change. And ironically, the only government that went fully uh, digital is the Ministry of Finance because every single group who got in power used this to spend money to stay in power, whether it was in 1990, whether it was in 2005. The ministry that they needed to Absolutely. But the question is like, why they didn't digitize the social security system? Look, why people till now, they will have to wait in line uh, bringing the papers or the covers of the, uh, the medicines or the drugs to get reimbursed six or seven months after. You want to know why people are on the streets? Look at your practices in social security, in health in education. So maybe this is a good point to actually get to what you're doing. You've done your part individually. Can you just describe what you're doing in Tripoli and how it relates to this this revolt? Uh, I, so it started actually, so uh, the initiative is called Saha Masaha. Mm -hmm. uh, and it started with people wanting to, to, to talk about politics because we didn't really use to talk about politics, especially in public areas. Mm -hmm. So we started with a small megaphone, around 10 people or 7. With an actual megaphone? Yeah, yeah with oh, an actual wow. megaphone. Yeah, uh, was that the first days of the uprising? Was that yeah, it was in the third day on third day. Saturday. So, and my father used to have it like from the 90s. So, so this is a big downgrade. You went from megaphone to microphone. Yeah. <laughs> and we grew actually, and it was just, just to meet each other at, at the square, yeah. talk about politics, and then hopefully to do something about this information and all these talks that we are so because yeah. we are resp responsible but what's happening in the country and politics is not about doing politics in coffee shops so, uh, and only like doing so you deliberately stuff. wanted to do it outside yeah, yeah. that was a determination yeah. and, and all, yeah. always focusing also on, on using these this information politically in the yeah. so whether yeah. to start a, a small initiative about food yeah. or whether to start a political party or whether to start uh, yeah. uh, another non-violent resistance uh, tactic so yeah so these are the main three goals of the initiative and we grew actually from 10 to I think uh, uh, 200 to 300 uh, participants using well, the it's local sessions. local politics yeah so that means I'm guessing Tripoli focused no, not issues. Only, no, it's no. also national politics. We did uh -huh. also some sessions on regional uh, politics. Okay. Uh, and uh, along with uh, Madrasa Mushari, we did more than 100 sessions in the last 47 really? days. Yeah. So that also, every day you have at least two or three sessions. Three, yeah. Okay, so Jimmy, can you tell me a bit about your... Yeah. Like I'm part of the uh, Madrasat Mushagabin or School of Rioters and, uh, and also we started the first few days of the of the revolution or uprising. Uh, and I believe like uh, Ubaida and our group was the, one of the first groups in that particular island wow. in the middle of the street who, who took uh, later on, uh, if you want, the, the reputation of being the dialogue place. Yes, yes. Uh, this is before all the TV was there. This is before everyone was talking about Tripoli. It's really the, the first days. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and we started in a similar way, yeah. and probably Arbaida had a megaphone, we did not. <laughs> so we had we had a small tent, yes. and we had groups of 10 to 15 people sitting around yeah. the uh, uh, around the, in a circle, mm -hmm. uh, talking about 
you know, the current happenings in, in, in Tripoli. Yeah. And the, what we focused on as being a school of rioters is focus on our reputation. So uh, in, in, in the eyes of the government, mm. uh, we are rioters. So for us, our response to that is to show them that we can succeed in creating dialogue. Yes. We can succeed in getting people, uh, you know, uh, to uh, communicate, yeah. uh, share their concerns yeah. about what's happening in Lebanon. And that's our way to reach a level where we can be encourage them to be accountable in the future. I'm curious, how did you guys mobilize your audience? Did you just wait for people to show up, or were you proactively using technology, social media? Because it's very, it's fascinating. It goes from a few people to hundreds of people very quickly. So how did you attract your audience? We opened our Facebook page two days ago, and oh. we have only one post for now, and it's just the <laughs> today agenda. Because right. first, I didn't want people to come for the sessions. Yeah. But I wanted them to to come to the square, and yeah. then choose some of the activities. And one of them would be the uh, discussions. Uh, and we started like the people I know that wanted to talk politics. Yeah. And then everyone on the street would catch up and see, ah, oh, okay. But were you well, using your phone? Just literally messaging your friends saying, come no, to no, this? No, 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 at all. I, I, always, I was always coming to the square uh -huh. in the morning or uh, at noon, uh, doing some singing, some protesting, and then also... So you didn't use technology? Uh, you just no, no. set yourself up in the square and people it came? It was part of... Because uh, I wanted actually people f to go from their phones actually to, to yeah. the square, and I didn't want to use it at least even for for the marketing of this. So wow. I relied on word of mouth, on wow. on the amount of people who are coming to the square. Yeah. So and I think as an experiment, it was really a good experiment at the end because uh, people knew about it not from only from social media, mm. but also from the small connections that were built up from 10 people then. So it was like a network way of doing this. But this is the old-fashioned human interaction. Of that, doing that, trade in Tripoli. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you actually used what Tripoli is good at to make this work on your own. Mm -hmm. I'm quite impressed. Your first Facebook post was just a few days ago. I mean, I would... I wrongly, was today. <laughs> today. I wrongly assumed. I thought you were using social media from the beginning. Did, did you? Uh, we had a different approach. Yeah. So uh, the way we were getting people to come to our tent mm -hmm. is we, we used to go and survey them in the Saha, so okay. around the uh, yeah. uh, around this Jalala yes. in Saha yes. mm -hmm. So we went and surveyed people. One of the fewest organizations like to survey people yeah. about the reasons why they came uh, to protest, mm -hmm. uh, and you know. Uh, how do they think that the, the, the roadmap should be yeah. and if they want to, to leave the streets after a while or not. So we asked so many questions and right. we got data. Yeah. And that's the way for, to get people to, to come to us, yes. to the tent. Yeah. And uh, back then we... Uh, they, they were coming to you? Yeah, yeah because yeah. They, we, you, you go, right, right. you survey them and yeah. you tell them, hey, there is a tent there, right, 50 right. meters away. Yes. So come, we're having talks and so on. Yeah. And, and Robaida probably would remember, we were one of the fewest groups to have morning sessions. So yes. we used to, to gather around 11 o'clock. So we used to have sessions between 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock. The first few days we had more people at that time in, in the Sahel. And uh, the talks were around uh, how to protect uh, the uprising. The yeah. talks were around, you know, how we're going to ensure that people are still mobilized to reach right. our goals. Right. And we were listening to what the people were saying. 
And then a few days after, we did our Facebook page, and that triggered some interest. So now we have around 2,000 likers. So you use social media from the beginning. So we use social yeah. media uh, early in the early stage, right. uh, and we used to, you know, cover uh, all the, our events yeah. uh, on social media, hoping to get more people abroad. Yes. But most of our sessions were small back then, mm-hmm. and then we decided to go in schools, uh, into the schools, uh, knowing that most of us are educators. So the people, the the, the, the wonderful people I work with is our educators, so either high school uh, teachers yes. or university professors. So we all come with university. So you took what you were doing from the Seha back to the schools themselves. So we started talking to people, teachers we know, say, hey, you know what, we have sessions, come. And the yeah. largest group we got from a local school in town, yeah. we got 120 students one of the sessions. Oh, wow. And it was amazing to wow. know how much... This those... is when the schools were closed. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So students were coming back to school. Uh, yeah. Way, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's and that's the purpose. And yeah. even the names of what we did is uh, we used to say, ah, okay, that's a uh, curricular uh, session. That's an extracurricular session. <laughs> right. So we're using that's actually funny. educational terminology without getting grades. <laughs> uh, without getting grades. And the only discussions, the only, uh, the only uh, ground rules yeah. were there is no right and wrong answer, and okay. people would have to respect each other's opinion. These are the only two others because we were hoping that people would listen and hear a different perspective. We don't believe in a mono perspective or a mono message being sent to it. Let me ask you, I heard you say that you were at the beginning conscious that you wanted this revolution to succeed and you're trying to protect the goals of the revolution. And you also said that you were asking people if they're getting tired, if they would leave. I mean, from your perspective, from your work, do you sense that people are getting tired? That time is time is a detriment as opposed to something positive? It's actually being a huge negative uh, yeah. role, especially because people are really tired. Even the authority is tired, so everyone has <laughs> to understand. But yeah. especially middle class and poor people are really tired at this point. Yeah. And I think it's just the beginning of the, the collapse. Uh, and no one is actually taking responsibility for what would happen also in the coming few days, months, and, yeah. and this year. Uh, and because the problem actually can't be resolved like in the in the last 30 years with small patches and small stitches, because we have a systemic problem and we don't have any support. Like usually, the, someone would pump up money just to solve the problem, but now yeah. we are at state like. We need to think about everything on the state level and on, so also on the local level, but not in the, on the individual level. Can I ask no you, are you talking, are you, when you say state and local, do you mean elections? Is that No, not elections. No. I mean, uh, we need a different government and a different also local uh, representative. Not I mean like the problem is about representation, but uh-huh. about dealing with the current crisis first before dealing with the yeah. problem of representation. Because we are, we are at a stage where people are suffering on the medical level, yeah. food level, on the... I think, even, I think even in terms of just mental health deteriorates over time. And so you see it as playing a negative role. Yeah. Jimmy, do you find that your work is also limited because of how long this revolution is taking? Uh, definitely time is playing against uh, the work that we do mm. in terms of getting things done quicker. Yeah. But the value of what we do, whether in Saha Masaha or the School of Rioters, yes. the value of what we do is long term. 
mm. is when you're raising awareness, yeah. uh, you're raising awareness on the long term. Right. When you're trying to help people see and respect diversity, that's you know some of the values of the new Lebanon that we're trying to create. Right. When we're talking about okay, we want uh, you know a democratic system, a free system, where accountability prevails. Yes. That's that's something on the long term. Now, on the short term, uh, we're trying as much as we can to spread positive energy. Uh, in, um, on Obaida's side, on our side, is, uh, we're trying to spread positive energy in a variety of ways to help them see the roadmap that we don't know. But at yeah. least there are two, two, two things that most of the people who went in the streets are uh, sort of, there is a consensus uh, upon, which is a transitory government away from the current political class, right. and then early elections based on a system that would correct the representation of different Lebanese fractions. And you want that, I'm assuming, you want that sooner than later. Yeah. What can people like you do to speed up the process? Or is there is there anything that you can do? Uh, I think I'm mainly playing the, the roles of facilitators or catalysts, but not actually the people who are changing. Yeah. Yeah. So even the style of our session is different than uh, the other people who are also doing different sessions because we are letting people, we are not giving any lectures, we are facilitating discussions. We are relying on these people to, to also uh, come up with other initiatives. Yeah. We are relying on these small connections and these networks of people to do different things. And yeah. So we are trying to provide them with a positive vision with some of the tools or some of the ideas we are helping them through being part of their network or also yeah. with giving up some of the examples through our initiatives like different initiatives that we are trying to be part of uh, and I think it's a, it's a bet in this case because we are not really controlling what would happen but we are confident that all of these uh, let's say like being a catalyst at this point would turn in, uh, strategically as a, as a good we will have a good outcome at the end, we believe. Otherwise, we wouldn't be on the sure. street doing all of this. So you're hopeful that despite it taking long, that there is something good that will happen at the end of all this. You do see a, a, a shift, that this will not go back to the way it was a year ago or, or even 10 years ago. You sense that there is something on the horizon. I, I would say definitely yes. You know, uh, October 17 is a, is a, is a D-Day for... Uh, in New Lebanon, yes. and things that came after is not, are not going to go backwards. Yeah. And if you're thinking about uh, the time playing against us as individuals, yeah. because of the socio-economic status of the people in yes. the streets, yes. because of their financial need, because of their health uh, requirements and so on, I believe also it's playing against the government. Because no matter what they're going to do, yeah. things are going to go, uh, things are going to get worse. Yeah. Worse yeah, yeah. and worse and worse, and I believe this is going to bring people back to the streets. So one day, one day is going to come. And you think the patience? Sorry to interrupt. The patience of the average citizen protesting is longer than the political class. I, I don't know if I can say this, but mm. because also the, the the patience of the Lebanese, uh, the, the average Lebanese uh, citizen is to worry about how they're going to feed their families, yeah. is to worry about if they want to go to the hospital, if they have money to yes. pay the doctors and yes. the service yeah. as well. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, mm. However, being as catalyst uh, is thinking about how we help people see the roadmap. Yeah, yeah. We, don't have, we don't have deadlines, but at least we can estimate 
yeah. because now we've been also almost 50 days, almost 50 days in, 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 in the, uh, uh, the revolution. And till now we're waiting for the president to say, oh, okay, I'm inviting uh, the beloved uh, MPs uh, to, to come for, you know, <laughs> consultation to, to nominate it. But still it did not take place. Yeah. So we know that it's a long term. And hopefully the message that we're conveying yeah. is, is helping people see that, okay, it's taking time, but we're heading there. It's okay that we're, we're, we're facing hurdles and challenges. But you know what? This is how we can do it. We, this is how we can help ourselves to do it. And uh, Obeida mentioned something about the, we don't have a political message in our sessions. There's no political message. He's helping people see how to get through. So if we say how we're gonna fight corruption, yeah. we encourage people to generate solutions. How we, and it's amazing to see the level and the depth of those solutions generated by the people. I actually think that is politics and the proper definition of politics. I think we've over time we got used to the bad definition here, and we associate politics with poor performance, no accountability, corruption. I think what you guys are doing is actual politics. It's it's literally civil engagement on a and it happens to be literally in the middle of where everything is happening. So it's even more it's more symbolic. This is not a I mean I know that I like that you're taking this back to school, but I'm sure students prefer being there than they do in their classroom. In in Beirut you have lectures in the egg in the middle of downtown Beirut. AUB is giving lectures in an abandoned cinema, and I think students actually do appreciate doing that more than being in a locked campus. Although time is, is a pressuring aspect yeah. on, on all of us, also we're brainstorming solutions, how to get the methods through and try to target as many people as we can. So we're even exploring ways to communicate with people who are not coming to Sa'ada. Yes. We're exploring ways how we're going to reach them, right. even in their own communities. Yeah. Because we believe that they have the right uh, to know what's happening. Yeah. They have the right uh, to be cared for. They have the right to be uh, to know where what the future is is hiding, right. and with with our humble resources, uh, we're trying as much as we can to connect with as many individuals as we can you to know, help them see that you know what this is our cause. Yeah. This is not Obeda's cause. This is not Jimmy's cause. This is not Ronnie's cause. This is our cause, and help them see that the new Lebanon is way better of what's what they're going through now and personally I believe the, the new Lebanon is way better because I believe the new Lebanon is about social justice where now we have marginalized communities uh, you know the, the new Lebanon is about uh, an anti-corruption nation an anti-corruption nation where you know the natural resources of the country are being spent on the people and we're not talking about a socialist system or a liberal system we're talking about the right for people to benefit from their natural resources they have the right for health right for education, right for uh, social security, right even for pension, good pension and retirement, and so on. These are natural yeah. rights, you know, uh, preserved by the uh, by the universal uh, chart of human rights. And we believe the new Lebanon is way better than this. And what they did in the past 15, 20, 30 years, and if you want to go back to independence, is giving people, people false hopes, except during a certain time when we felt there is... There's something happening. There's prosperity taking place. But that was a short time in our history. I appreciate this long view because it looks more and more that whenever there was economic prosperity, it was not because of the way Lebanon is governed. It's just that we were lucky at 
few intervals in our history, and the political grievances took a step back. And as soon as the economic problems reemerged, people went and challenged the system. And I, I don't know, do you share the same kind of hope, Jim, uh, Abeda? Uh, yeah, and actually about redefining politics, we, st we started the, one of the first sessions about redefining politics from CS to Sha'an uh, al to public affairs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The name of a politician, CS to to uh, the serviceman, like the one who gives services yes. for people. Uh, and at the end, we want to we want these people to consider themselves not only as voters, yeah. but also as people who might be at, uh, a par member of parliament, uh, ministers, yes. uh, mayors, uh, to work actually in the public sector. Because usually, if you ask any young person in this country, you want to be an engineer or a doctor and just <laughs> go abroad. But no one usually considers themselves as being part of this country yeah. and want to serve in the public affairs of this country. So. At times, the average protester could be 21, 22, or even younger. It's nice to hear these words from people that are older. Because you, now that I know how old you are in your mid-50s, Jimmy, uh, you're really hopeful, you're really optimistic, and you remember the Civil War, you remember the Syrian occupation, you remember Israeli invasions, you remember everything that went wrong after the war ended, and you still are very hopeful. And I think that's, that's the kind of positivity that I think is making this moment magical. It's not just kids with dreams. It's all generations that are, in a way, expecting the same decency. Do you, do you think the most effective way in the next phase of all this protesting and demonstrating, do you think it, is, it makes sense to focus on one type of election? In other words, would you rather go into local elections, municipal elections, as opposed to parliamentary elections? Or do you think parliamentary is more important? Or do you, do you think all elections matter now? What, in terms of just strategy, turning all this into change, political change, what would you focus on? I believe first we need to handle the economic crisis, mm -hmm. at least for the last, for the second, uh, for the upcoming year and a half at least. Yeah. So economy matters more now. Yeah, because it matters for all of us. So even yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we need just to handle it because no one will go. Even other politicians will use the election in these in this economic crisis to win representation. So we need yeah. actually to solve it first, give people some space to actually live, uh, and then we will go into election. Uh, and it doesn't really matter which one to start because usually, um, because it's only for Beirut and Tripoli where local. Election really matters because it's uh, it's on a big scale and for a, for a big municipality. So n there's no need now to focus on parties or anything like that. There's no they need to start now, mm. uh, but they can't actually win if there is a new election now. Just yeah, an early election. Yeah, and yeah. I think only the authority is asking for an early, early, early election. Like they yeah. said, ah, oh, okay, in the coming two months. Like, okay. But people need time to actually prepare. Uh, their ideas, their groups to organize themselves. Uh, so yeah, I think first we need to deal with the economic crisis that's hitting everyone. And does that mean putting pressure on the caretaker government to do their job? Or does that mean just waiting for this regime to fall and then putting those demands on something new? They, they need to give it to other people, to independent okay. people, yeah. people who can actually handle the crisis because they can't handle it. Okay, right. Now Jimmy, with your older perspective <laughs> do you th do you think that politics matter and elections matters right now whether it's local or national uh, you know the way the way we were uh,
promoting sort of a roadmap during our uh, during the revolution and during our sessions is thinking about a transitory or yeah. transition uh, transition government yeah. that deals with three main things. So Ubaida uh, mentioned the the economic slash financial engineering policy yeah. that we have to take care of. So we protect the mass uh, of the Lebanese people. Right. And the second is cleaning the judicial system, which is essential so we can start immediately uh, on opening up all the cases of corruption and so on. And the third is early election. Those throw goes right. goes together. So it's uh, all encompassing. It's not one or the other. Those, right those are my, in my perspective, those are the three essential, if yeah. you want, uh, uh, tasks or duty of the new transitory government. Yeah. Is the economic uh, side, the judicial side, and the early election side. And we, we do need a new system. It doesn't have to be. It, it, it will. It will remain a, a multi-confessional system. No one is changing this now. That's a long term because there is no consensus in everyone. Right, and right, you need right. also to build national unity before you reach that phase. Uh -huh. You need to build national unity and okay. make everyone feel part of this nation. Right. Before we say, okay, we're going to change the system and we're going to transform you in a better place. We have to do this gradually. Okay. And uh, personally, I believe those three things, if we, if we push towards, uh, you know, uh, towards the, the president uh, to launch the, the parliamentary consultation, that would be great. And probably our effort now should be focused on, uh, so you have expectations for the caretaker government as well. It's not that wait for them to go and then. No, no. The expectations not only the government, the current government. The expectation is on the president because it's by yeah. constitution yeah, yeah. a parliamentary consultation right. to nominate a, a, a new uh, yeah. cabinet president, and that's the right of the Lebanese people. And the president, despite the fact that in the constitution there is no deadline for him to say, "Ah, I'm going to launch it within a week, yeah. within two, within three," but the current socio-economic slash political uh, uh, conditions should force him to work 24 hours to, to, to launch them and get a clean, uncorrupt prime minister who would form a government to deal with the three issues that we just mentioned. And your opinion here, do you think that that is going to happen? Do you see this man able to now in his last days do his job at such a... I mean, these are low expectations. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you're asking him to think out of the box. You're just asking him to do his job. Do you see that happening? I, based on the how the current outcome of things, I don't think that we have people uh, in the current political system uh, who's, uh, who are ready to listen and yeah. look at what happened in the streets. Yeah. That it's a warning that we are shaking the foundation right. of the political system. They're not seeing it like this. And it's sad yeah. because uh, the minute they need the people to protest, and fight for them during the election. They consider them as being noble, as yeah. being yeah, yeah. Uh, mature, as yeah. being wise, as being as being as all the positive stuff yeah. that they describe the Lebanese people with. But the minute those people would go against them, immediately we start seeing uh, those uh, negative descriptors of who are those in the streets, yeah. that those are the traitors, that those are with the with the, uh, I don't know, the, uh, the the occupation, no matter what the occupation is. And our message for us as 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 people working in in, uh, in, uh, in the Saha is showing the people around us 
you know, a, a sort of an image of what, what the new Lebanon is about. Yeah. What we're doing even during our interaction. Yeah. So when we're talking about uh, communicating with each other to reach a decision, when we're exploring ideas, uh, that we're showing the people around us that that's the way through. Yeah. And our unity is really important. And the message we're saying, despite is, uh, it's not a political message, it's about uh, a message about values and political values. We're united against occupation, no matter what the occupation is. We're united against the corruption, no matter if the corrupt people are from one side of the country or the other side, or yeah. from this uh, particular yeah. group. Or the, we're united against, you know, the undemocratic practices of the government and the list would go on we're united in this and hopefully we can build on this yeah. so we can get poor people mobilized so we can keep the pressure and unfortunately uh, what happened in in different region in, in lebanon did not help what was happening in tripoli and so i felt what do you mean by that in it means you know things slowed down in other regions oh, in, oh, in, because in just, Lebanon. yeah yeah for for so many reasons and i believe uh, and with my connection with my interaction with people yeah. in tripoli people of tripoli the tripolitans are a bit deceived that for people living in other countries in other cities they may have in a way deceived them to a certain extent because they hmm. felt you know the 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 route the route uh, to a new uh, a new country goes back clear steps that everyone in the streets would reiterate. That's interesting. So you think that the demands of Tripoli were actually higher? I would say Tripoli has done its work. You know, to I, move towards you know uh, yeah. the achievement of how we're going to change the system, and we put the pressure on to yeah. get the, the the government down, and we did, and then we turned out to our colleagues to continue the pressure to reach the president of uh, the republic yeah. and then to head back to the, uh, uh, the speaker of the house. And we looked around and no one was there. And I'm not blaming them because I know every single city had its own internal dynamic. But the, the, the battle for freedom should go beyond a call that a, a religious group can enforce on others. And I'm, I'm, I'm here pinpointing what the Lebanese, uh, the uh, the Maronite Patriarch said that now we have to support the president after the, the falling of the government. And I believe that was a strategic mistake taking place, uh, you know, that forced people to move away from the streets because some of those who were uh, protesting, they felt like, gosh, no, 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 we cannot piss the Patriarch. We do want to piss everyone off because we want to build the country. I'm going to break all my religious affiliation. And when I say break the religious affiliation, it's not about being like a, 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 an atheist. No, it's about saying no. For Lebanon to be built on solid grounds, the, the national interest should be based on the interest so of the people. So you think Tripoli did some soul searching and did something? I believe yes. And, and the rest of the country maybe did not do enough of it? I, I won't say, I don't want to be perceived as blaming. Uh, at the contrary, I want to say that Tripoli is still hoping for yeah. others yeah. to say, hey, we're going to do this together. Right. And I know they have their reasons. Yeah. And I know in some reasons people were afraid of having even internal fights okay. against yeah. protesters from both sides of the uh, yeah. uh, of the street. Uh, it's, it's about thinking about making an internal decision, say, hey, you know what? I'm free from any political affiliation. I'm free for any religious affiliation. Yeah. You know what? My relationship with God is my relationship with God. And it's in me, and it's going to guide my approach 
in the values that I believe uh, they are better fit for Lebanon. Yeah. And this is how we connect with each other. So if Ubaidah would say I'm free as well from my political affiliation, I don't see why I cannot, you know, uh, uh, join hands with him and continue. And the same goes, and we have to do our internal self-reflection. And I think what October 17 has done is also changed the discussion itself and the discourse. So even the topics that were discussed before October 17, especially within the government, or with people, is always about sects, about securing, yeah. Uh, these people about the balance between this power about uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia and then the whole discussion has shifted mm, mm, mm. and you can see because they were also posing a lot of taxes and then okay just flip it to another page and these are the new topics that we have uh, but are you are table. you as sort of I don't you're right maybe not disappointed but are you do you feel the same way about Tripoli doing its part and maybe other regions unable to do their part? Is there? Do you feel the same? Uh, I think we are doing, the, that's why I mentioned this point, because we are doing also the same for these other regions. So we are also changing the discussion to somewhere else, uh -huh. because they are afraid of the internal conflict. Mm. So I are saying, ah, so, but actually it's not the problem, and we, you, would, you would not have any problem actually. The Tripoli as a big action in the country is a big message that, oh, okay, the revolution did not end have a long way to go, yeah. uh, people here are struggling more and you can see the problems at an, at an extreme level that you cannot see it in other regions. Right, right. So, unfortunately it's playing this role because of the economic crisis effect on Tripoli in yeah. the last 30 years, uh, but at least it's pushing Lebanon again and again in, I think, in the proper direction. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I think everyone will go to their home and we will have another set of taxes <laughs> I, I, it's, now it's impossible to ever imagine a whatsapp tax mm. two months ago it was embarrassing now it's just you know that's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be very ironic if the technocratic government brings it back says no this is a great idea I, I doubt it you know I originally from Tripoli I've never seen this kind of uh, optimism from a place that's not usually associated with optimism and I think people are turning the page here. And I'm glad both of you are very hopeful. It makes me more hopeful. So with all that said, thank you for doing a fantastic job. And thank you for giving me your time. And uh, I hope, I hope years from now we'll have another episode where we talk about the successes of this revolution. So, thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Abaita. Thank you, Ronnie.